Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. Celebrating 50 years with you. Home of the Big Red Chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, lunchtime, KMOX bean time. Put a few shrimp on the Barbie. Barbie, wet. oh no, it's hot out there. Maybe we better stay inside and heat up the inside of the house. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. We'll cook inside. Anyway, as we go into the day, lots of things happening. Middle of the day, KMOX always on in your home. Thank you so very much, Scott Mosby at the helm. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. It's hot, 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 and uh, heading toward uh, hotter as we get into the afternoon here on KMOX. Stay tuned. Many things happening. One o'clock, retire ready. Lots more things happening after that on University of KMOX. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. I am a student of construction, was uh, with my father when I was a young man, and now I am uh, uh, oftentimes on the other side teaching and training as well as learning because, golly, the more I learn, the less I know. For example, some of the questions we've had about humidity, dehumidifying, air conditioning, things like that in the first hour. I really enjoy that stuff, so I apologize if I get a little windy because those topics are really complex at times because if you do this, that's good. If you do that, that's good. When you do them both together, sometimes it compounds the bad, Uh, so just sort of things that you know, they, they are because there are various points of view. For example, um, when you say it's a code compliant house, well, which code? There are tons of building codes. So in the past uh, five, ten years, we've uh, standardized building codes. However, each municipality can accept a different building code and within that they accept different versions so when they change this to that more restrictive thing you know our city has decided to stay on the old building code so the complexity of all of that as it relates to trying to do the right thing in construction then when you throw a construction company designing company the reputation and their responsibility to get it right sometimes those things conflict for example If you want a house that is very fire safe, you lock down everything. You have no moving air in there because if fire uh, occurs inside the wall, inside the house, whatever, if you have all closed doors and no moving air, the fire kind of burns itself out because it doesn't get much oxygen. So the rate of spread is very slow. Well, how would you like to be in a house today in St. Louis with no moving air, no air conditioning, no fans, no uh, any kind of dehumidification doesn't work. So how do you then put a blower forced air furnace in a house and still comply with the fire intent of don't burn this thing down any faster than it's going to try. So again, you get conflicting goals. It depends your point of view as to what you're trying to achieve. And yet the builder always has the responsibilities of balancing out, optimizing the least bad. I'm going to say that again, because if everybody gets what they want, you can't build the house. The least bad combination of choices for the various things. And so again, that's where my use of the term building science, why I'm on this radio show, and just my 
geekdom of enjoying this stuff. I just can't help myself. Phone lines for your questions, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I've got some patient callers from Hour 1. I'm going to go to Jane right now, so I want to get started. Jane, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime on KMOX. How can I help? Well, hi. I'm so glad that um, I, I got on. I have oh, a question. Yeah. We're, we had a, um, a, a furnace, a, a dual speed, a variable two speed mm, um, yeah. furnace that we installed in 2003 at the same time we did the AC and the whole thing. So all yeah. high efficiency. In um, 2016, just five years ago, we were in immediate need because of AC failure and we replaced it with four time, you know, similar to what we had. Okay. Now we found that we had a cracked heat exchanger due to this noxious odor, and my gas was burned off to the furnace in that month where we were having hot and cold. So I've been on the hunt for a new um, air, con- I mean, a, a new furnace. The yeah. question, I have two questions. One is, do I replace that coil in the basement um, for the AC from 2003? At the same time, at this time, there's no issue with the coil. But no one's, I mean, I don't know how long those really last. I've had both scenarios or or both opinions about I would leave it until you needed it. But And then I've had the opinion, no, if you're doing the furnace, do it all at the same time. So that's my first part of the question. And and do I replace the furnace again with the two-speed variable, high efficiency, the same thing? Does it matter if I do the coil? If my air conditions probably will last another six or seven or eight years. Um, and my second question is, there's a room above the screened in porch that attaches to rooms upstairs that has heat but has no air conditions. So I was just wondering about those, that new technology where you can divert your, your um, vents to, uh, you know, take from the first floor up to the second floor at a higher capacity. If you wouldn't mind addressing those, I will be happy to take that off air. On- okay. Uh, Unless uh, you have a question for me. Uh, no, I think I understand. And by the way, you're asking the right questions <laughs> at the right oh. time. So Well, thank you, I Jim. know because, okay, thank you so much. All Bye. right. Bye now. Uh, number one, I'm going to go to the easy one first, which is the room above the screen porch. Uh, usually under insulated, uh, the furthest away from the furnace. So even if you had the ductwork that went over there, um, it would be difficult to heat and cool. Here's the issue. When you get uh, screen porches or uh, sunrooms or rooms over the garage or room over the sunroom as uh, in Jane's situation, those rooms are uh, under-insulated, under-ventilated, kind of an afterthought. They weren't very well engineered when the ductwork was designed for the house. So, um, and even if they were, they generally didn't get enough airflow there because those rooms lose heat at a much faster rate in the winter than the rest of the house. And they gain heat, especially if it faces west, excuse me, or southwest at the worst, because the solar heat gain plus the uh, hot temperatures, those rooms gain heat at an ever more rapid rate. 
So the requirement of size of unit and airflow, the cubic feet per minute, CFMs, is usually double to two and a half times the normal requirement of the rest of the house because your kitchen is surrounded by rooms. It's on the inside. The issue being that, you know, only a few of those rooms have exterior walls. When you get those porch rooms that are outside, anyway, the point being that uh, for you, Jane, that room above the porch, I think, needs its own unit. Either leave it alone and deal with it as it is or get a uh, separate unit like a split system um, unit, which is kind of the mini split uh, units that uh, they're, they put a condenser and compressor outside and a small unit inside, but uh, you don't dump the heat of that compressor inside the house like you might have with a through-the-wall unit. So anyway, get its own system, its own thermostat. Use it only when you need um, so you're not heating and cooling it all the time. So that's the easy one. As far as uh, having two answers to that same question, of course you do. Uh, to save money um, in terms of the replacement cost, don't replace the um, air conditioner coil uh, because you just don't need to. I get that. However, in today's world of technology, the, uh, my advice and in my home and my choice would be change it all. Uh, number one, because I want it all to work the same. Um, on a personal basis, I only want to have to know one set of instructions on how to operate that system, that thermostat, whatever. So if I can get two units that are the same, I can remember that stuff, maybe. But if you give me two separate units with two separate instruction manuals, two separate thermostats, oh, good night, save me, Lord. So the point being that, number one, for simplicity and efficiency and return on investment of your energy dollars, which what you spend to heat and cool this house over the next 20 years will far eclipse the cost of replacing these units. Uh, in the Mosby household, I would and do replace all of it at one time. Number one, I get one engineering mind that thinks through this whole issue. So the air conditioner gets along with the multi-speed blower and the furnace kicks. And then when I get in those in-between months, I can get a thermostat that says, well, we might, you know, heat in the morning and cool in the afternoon. So uh, for me, uh, you will pay more upfront money to change it all at one time. But by doing that, you bring all of that technology up to one time and effectively get a better chance of getting it to work together. Now, devil's advocate, if you get a lemon, that one, somebody gets that half of 1% of manufacturing error equipment. Somebody gets the bummer. Uh, if, if you change it all, you've got, you know, risk there. So all of the same in risk management um, is, uh, might moderate the risk, make it, you know, less risky. But for me, I can do more damage just poorly operating or getting the instruction and operating in, in, in manuals wrong. So I would personally change it all. If you can afford it, change it all at one time. Get one operating type system so that they all get along together. I love the variable fan uh, feature because it only gives me as much cooling and energy use as I need. Uh, and as you circulate the house around, uh, and you've heard me advocate for leave your blower motor on all the time, these variable speed units kind of do that. Because even when you're in low 
operating system, they still move just a little bit of air because that's the most efficient way to average out the temps. So anyway, Jane, my advice, change it all at one time and don't bother with that porch room until you're ready to spend three, $4,000 to get its own unit. And if it's not worth that, that's okay too. You know what that is because you're living with it now. Uh, so there you go. Uh, good question. Good start. Um, but get the current technology. I love the variable speed fans and the air handler works with the furnace, works with the air conditioner. So everything works. Also, one other thing, please consider the ultraviolet light add-on unit in, in light of going back to normal flu seasons uh, and, you know, disregarding COVID entirely. It's a good deal anyway. Scott Mosby, KMOX, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I love this stuff. I'll be back in a little bit. All right, Hour 2, Home Improvement Show, KMOX. Uh, There is a a remodeling seminar online that's coming up here July 21st. I know we're a little bit away, but uh, 10 Steps to a Successful Kitchen Remodel. If you're pondering a kitchen remodel, but this stuff really kind of gets into bath. Any kind of remodeling that you're getting into, even room additions, um, it's, it's helpful. July 21st, it's 1130 to 1230. It is a webinar. You do need to register to um, log in and participate. You can get that at mosbybuildingarts.com or for me, you know, just a memory challenge. Just call mosby.com like C-A-L-L mosby.com it's kind of neat you can see the other ones if you click up at the top there uh there's a big blue bar goes across all the topics seminars is the one you can check in those and register for those and other upcoming uh windows roofing and doors bathroom remodel accessible uh, remodeling all that let's go to alex hey alex good afternoon welcome to the middle of the day here in hot 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 st louis how can i help you sir Hello, Scott. Hey, it's not much cooler here in Illinois. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> We're all guilty by uh, geography. <laughs> exactly. Um, I actually got a, a cornfield on all four sides of my house, so you can Ooh, imagine what that's like right now. Oh, I love the looks of it, but the humidity is fun. But I, oh, I, lo- I love tall corn. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, I bought this house. It's kind of an old farmhouse, brick, brick uh, basement, and. Uh, I bought it about seven, eight years ago, and the people before me had ha- had done the basement proofing system where they a company comes in and actually does everything from the outside. They dig all the dirt around the whole house and yeah. put like a black, a, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, The, the basically the they membrane. go all the way down to the footing, okay? Yeah. And yeah. the problem is, is that the one side of the house had like an old add-on like porch sunroom kind of thing, so that that side they weren't able to do the sealer too well about three years after i bought it down in the basement it started leaking um in the house and the basement was finished but the walls weren't getting wet it was just coming up underneath the you know uh, you know down by the by the floor yeah so i had helitech come out and some other companies and they all had the same recommendation which was to uh you know put the the sump up system in where they bust out the concrete and 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 do it do it like that well, at the time, uh, that wasn't, you know, in our budget. So mm-hmm. I, uh, what I did was I put some levels on the floor and figured out there's a room in the basement where the there's a drain in the laundry room, uh-huh. and I actually and I realized that the floors all kind of like drained towards that way. So I took the baseboard trim off and actually sealed up the bottom plate, 
and it actually got it to where the water was 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 draining right into that drain and yeah you know it never it never even did come on 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 our side of the of the wall you know mm-hmm. uh so i guess i was just wanting to see first off if that was creating like a bigger problem you know for us in the long run like as far as you know black mold or or the block erosion or anything like that but i do want to tell you that this summer i actually put drain tiling around the house um that are tied into the gutters yeah so any water that falls like 10 foot around the whole perimeter of our house you know gets you know most of it gets you know taken out by that so actually since i've done that i haven't even had any water come into the basement so you see any problems with any of that well, the risk is you don't know how much moisture is back behind that wall in the basement. Um, so, uh, but as far as are you creating, that is the only risk. So if your building material remains wet and it takes a long time for below grade framing and all to dry out um, because it's in a humid environment, basements are more humid than, you know, upstairs anyway, just by definition. So that is the risk. But you have done the, it's kind of like a poor man's version of a sump pump and drain tile. The theory on a sump pump and drain tile is let the water come in, find it, collect it, and then pump it out. So you're letting the water come in, you're channeling it to a place where you want it, and then you're getting it to an exhaust site, which is that sanitary floor drain in there. Um when you go to sell the house, that will be apparent to the buyer. So they will be on notice that there is a leak. You will disclose that in the stuff. uh, And they likely will ask you to correct that or pay for correcting that at the time of sale. So on a practical dollars and cents point, that's the strategy. So you're either going to fix it for you or you're going to fix it for them one one way or the other. But as far as um, is it effective? Yeah, it's effective. But you don't know how much wet and mold and mildew is going on behind that wall. Uh, So I would open up that wall. I I would find a wet time when it's raining, and I would personally open up that drywall and just see what I've got. So inspect what you expect. And if it's been raining for a while and you just have, like, for example, at the bottom of the wall, one point where the water comes in and it goes right underneath that, uh, you may be okay. But you are making that framing get wet, so officially introducing moisture into building materials in a dark, warm environment, no, that's not that's not a good thing. So let's say that this drain tiling system that I've done, because there used to be a lot of water that would stand around the house when it would rain, and uh, the gutters, you know, the drain tile for the gutters used to kind of just run a couple feet away from the house, and that was it. Well, now it's all underground, and... You know, it's a, it, it all runs way, you know, 100 feet away from the house. So if I've actually made it to where, like, I never notice ever water coming in again, um, am I still having problems, do you think, down there? Yeah. Keep in mind, there's surface water drainage that, you know, you have done a fantastic job with the French drain and the drain tile and all that around the outside. So the excessive standing water is gone. But when we get into the spring and it rains and rains and rains and rains and we and the water table drops down and you just have saturated soil, that's different. No surface water drain can address that because you're going to get hydrostatic pressure and more water is going to come in. So keep in mind, you have done everything right 
you are addressing the surface water uh, runoff beautifully, but saturated soil, and that's why everybody came in and said, now you know where the water's coming in, let's just put in drain tile, sump pump, and take care of it. So I think sooner or later, I think you're on a 10-year dance of uh, denial where sooner or later you're going to put this stuff in out of just frustration. Honestly, every every basement company I had come in uh, told me that it was coming from underneath and coming up, and uh, I was disagreeing with him, and I was saying, nope, nope, if I can get the drain tiling stuff put in, I guarantee I can stop the leak, and I did, but that's why I wanted to talk to you and see, like, because I didn't know if it was time to go ahead and go into the the business on on waterproofing people's (laughs) basements. No, your theory is if you stop the standing water, you get less saturation. But once the water is deep and mother, when Mother Nature decides to rain for a month in the spring and the fall, you just can't stop that. That water will come in in those extreme times. But you might have neutralized 85% of your occurrences, too. So, you know, you don't know. And that's why I'm advocating open up that wall and see what you've got. But wait until it gets really wet for a while. Yeah, and one last thing. Do you know, do they make any kind of a test, like, for black mold in your house, or you, you, oh, yeah. you just have to rip your walls off? No, no. Moisture meters, uh, mold guys come in there, and they just do moisture meters on the surface, just like we do for lumber. We want to know the moisture content in lumber to find out if it's going to shrink or expand or whatever. So, yeah, they, they don't have to tear anything apart, but they will come up, and if they find a real high relative humidity on that face of that drywall, they'll say, we need to open this up here to take further tests. They can't really test um, w- without getting to that black. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Okay, Alex, I think you've done pretty much everything. It's just how much risk are you willing to assume as a consumer? That's what it really gets down to. So, you know, you're, but you're all over this thing. Okay. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. I'm getting a little windy here. I'm enjoying these questions. We're getting down deep and getting down to the nitty gritty here on KMOX. I'll be back after a short pause after these messages. Oh, yeah, home improvement, uh, retire ready coming up at 1 o'clock here on KMOX. We're getting to a hot one. I think we're heading toward 93 degrees today. Lots of things happening. A little bit of extra humidity. If you think it's humid today, wait till tomorrow. I looked at that number. I think it's getting wetter. Manana. Uh, let's go to my friend Doug and see what's cooking. Hey, Doug, good afternoon. Welcome to lunchtime on KMOX. How can I help, sir? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I need to replace a front door and um, I could use a little bit of advice on that. But uh, in addition to that, I was wanting to add a storm door and I feel like um, the casing and that um, the trim exterior that's out there right now, it's just, it's um, stuck on there with just a few nails. I don't think that much a, um, a storm door would, I mean, it would hold a storm door. And like, it's, it seems like the casings and everything they built up is just kind of sitting on that exterior of the siding. Was that supposed to you put just kind of slapped up there on there like that, or should that have been kind of like recess and the siding butted up to that? Or well, it I, depends. There, there are two looking. ways. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just a little bit because it seems very flimsy. Like if I put a you know a substantial storm door up there, like I'd like to have, I feel like a good wind or you know a kid throwing it open might just rip the whole darn thing off. Yeah. I, I understand. If you get even into a security door, even some of the heavy aluminum or steel, some of the iron security doors, uh, that's one thing. But the real threat to any storm door is a glass storm panel and wind. Uh, because of mm-hmm. the leverage, you can rip 
any door off of there, period, even with a well-installed piece of brick mold. Uh, two ways to put the brick mold on. When, when you put in a new door, if the door is manufactured for a thicker or deeper a wall thickness, for example, if you have a full masonry house, you know, your the thickness of the wall could easily be 10 or 12 inches. Well, if you just get a normal door, like you go get it at Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and then you start adding wood to thicken the door, it's not very strong. When you get a door that's made with the door jam extended to an 11 and a quarter depth or 10, whatever the custom depth is, that brick mold comes shipped and already affixed or attached to that door frame. And it generally is a pretty beefy location. Now, this gets to the installation again. If somebody on reinstalling installing a door uh, just puts the door in a normal brick mold and there isn't framing or two by fours behind that plywood or OSB or one by sixes or whatever the sheathing method is of that year of house when it was built. If you're just attaching that to that sheathing and not a stud in the wall, um, you'll have, you know, you'll have door movement issues, uh, the storm door, all your, all your concerns will, you know, truly come to life for you in a negative way. Uh, so this gets to how the door and who puts it in with what awareness. Uh, there are door manufacturers on replacement doors. They tend to be on the pricier end that actually ship storm doors installed. Uh, and then when the door gets installed, it, it, they just take that off. But all the tracks and everything was made, even the there's some really slick prime door replacement systems um, that uh, I know at Mosby we use one I have one on my home and it is just a nicely piece of engineered um, mating of storm door and door but it's pricey so mm-hmm. you'll, you'll mm-hmm. find that there are other uh, companies that use this door but keep in mind that um, depending upon what kind of door you put on uh, it will likely need to be tightened over time anyway, but golly, y- your your concerns are well founded. So I guess I mean my my best option since I'm I'm pretty handy, but I've never done a door in the first place. I mean, would I be better off? I mean, I probably just best serve myself just to find somebody who's and like an exterior person or who who does like puts on doors and stuff. Well, we at Mosby Building Arts, most exteriors company do uh, doors, but doors and windows are different than siding and roofing. They get put on at the same time, but uh, for example, this is kind of the way my dad explained it to me years ago. He said, uh, setting cabinets is about a 7 out of 10 complexity, so you need a real skilled carpenter for that. Um, When you get to, or or trims is a 7 out of 10. When you get to cabinets, you're an 8 out of 10. When you get to uh, railings and stair systems, you're a 9 out of 10. When you get to doors and windows, your normal installation is a 2 out of 10. But when you get into trouble, you need a 10 out of 10 skill set for the issues like you're saying. I, I'm I'm going to lobby that you can kind of take this on yourself. But if you can get a door system that has a storm door already engineered from the same manufacturer or supplier, uh, you'll figure mm-hmm. you'll figure this out. So this is not um, uh, bad door and installations come from careless and unskilled labor. Um, but if you're motivated and you've got the skills, um, you know, if you get into trouble, you can get a pro come in and do it later, you know? Yeah. 
you'll know when you're looking at that door. It's like, oh, I'm out of my badge level. I'm above my pay grade. I need, I need help. You'll know. So door and storm door complete system is what I should be looking for. Is that so? That when I take this one out, it'll be, I'll remove the the jam and everything, and then everything will go back in. Nope, your door and your jam all set as one unit, but it'll come shipped yeah. with the storm door on it. We remove the storm door just for weight and handling. But the, what uh-huh. they do is they get the door all trued up, it's all square, and then they set the storm door on, and they, you know, blue screw and tattoo it in my dad's words years back. Uh, right. They make it all work. And then all I do is take the heavy door panel off and the side lights, and that removes the weight. Uh, but then you still set the whole door unit, whether it comes with side lights or not, or a double door, and, you know, and they get heavy. So most of these better door units uh, that have, like, three-point locking, multi-point locking, lock points uh and you'll know that but that gets you up to the pricier ends but you can get a front door that you know they'll come through the wall before they get through that door (laughs) all right that sounds great but but the the truth of the matter is for the bad guys out there they're coming through the glass anyway so you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of is what it is All all right i appreciate it thank you Thanks, Doug. Good luck. Uh, I appreciate your question. And again, that's one of those things, you know, Doug asked the question, you know, can I do this myself? I, you know, but if he's asking that question, he's already aware of the problem and he's going to solve that problem, I think, as part of the installation. And he'll know whether he's got the skills or not. But uh, when you get to the security end of front doors, that's when it's really important to, uh, you know, get a real door uh, really reinforced, and sometimes that's some bad answers like, oh, yeah, we're going to peel back a few pieces of brick or we're pulling off your drywall or plaster on the inside of the house so we can get the proper securing because this is a Fort Knox door. You know, you, you're not going to kick your way through this thing. Um, you know, well, so security is kind of funny. I'm going to, a little bit of a side off of Doug's question is you just need your house tight enough that they go next door. You know, it's like outrunning the bear. I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. Uh, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Going to take a short pause and come back for more right here on CamoX. Oh, ho, 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 holy smokes, it's warmish. And uh, so, for those of you that within the sound of my voice, <clears throat> you know what the term close means. It's like, oh, it's close today which means it's hot and it's humid, and the moisture and humidity, that heat is closely aligned with my skin. So anyway, enough of that. Let's go to my friend Mary and see what's cooking. Hey, Mary, thanks for lunchtime on Kim Wicks. How may I help you today? Hi. Well, I have two senior siblings that um, it's the worst time to have this done, but they need an old unit removed from their window. They need a new one put in, and I was shopping yesterday, and the problem is a lot of them have to be ordered. Um, It takes five days to get them in. Then when they come in, we can have them install it, but you got to wait on their waiting list. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the hardware store has people that can install it, and I'm just looking for a recommendation to possibly go another way. if you know an electric company that carries un- window units and would install and remove the old one, um, they also have an older plug-in. Um, mm-hmm. They want a 330 
amp, I think. <laughs> you had a 320, now they call it a 330. Or 220, I'm sorry. 220, yeah. You can tell them that, uh, yeah, 220. Um, <clears throat> 220 is what they had, and I noticed in the store it's 230 now. Um, or that's they call the it 230. That's the same thing. Yeah. It's actually right. 240. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, if you think uh, okay. one, it's it's actually 120 volts on each bus bar. So when you have two, you know, a breaker, it's actually 120 volts. But then we call it 110 oh. because by the time it gets to the fan I'm plugging in here inside my house, 10 volts have gone away, be used up by the wires on the way there. So we call it 110. Well, 220, oh. the real number for that, if you do the math, it's 2 times 120, so that's a 240 volt. Sometimes they call it 230, sometimes they call it 220, but, you know, ah, once, okay. yeah. And then you get the <laughs> engineers that really understand this stuff, you know, and then, then they start debating, well, are you at the point of use or are you at the point of electrical? Oh, man, boy, are you way above my badge level. <laughs> well, while we're talking about that, if, if they have an older plug-in, yeah. Um, the line is safe, we, we've been told, but it's it's an older plug-in in the wall. Um, yeah. well, is, the is it safe to do a, oh, what do you call it, a, a d adapter? Um, not when you're doing 220, when you're doing two poles or two sources, uh, no. Um, and the issue okay. you're going to run into, which we do this at Mosby all the time, um, because 20 years ago wiring, you had a 120 positive, another 120 positive, and a third ground. So that's the, up until 20, 25 years ago, that's how houses were wired. Cooktops, ovens, air conditioners, uh, all those big right. use um, 220 units, as we in slang call them. Now the building code calls, or the electrical code, calls for a fourth wire in there so when it depends now we're getting deep the, the code will require and recommend a four wire 120 positive 120 positive a ground for those two 120 positives and a chassis ground which means that the metal box that doesn't have any electric connected to it is also safely grounded so that if you're holding on to this thing and there's a short it will choose the ground wire fourth conductor rather than frying oh. us in place so that's that's the oh. deal um and again it's are you going to do it the right way for current laws or are you just going to change the plug on the wall connected to those three conductors follow me there okay sort and, of and one is one is a hundred dollars to fix and the other is a thousand dollars to fix okay but um so do you know any electric company that carries window units that would come take one out, put a new one in, and then if anything needed to be done to the wall unit, they could fix it. I mean, the wall socket deal. Uh, well, electrician, electricians are going to be necessary to ha handle 220 electric. Generally, that needs to be a licensed electrician. I think you will find some clever electrical companies that will go ahead and install the the uh, air conditioner for you if you choose. But you're going to spend a lot of money because this is a very high skilled, high expense, you know, cost per hour. So you're going to spend, you know, $150 an hour to get a guy to put in an air conditioner. Yeah, I was told this line was put in not uh, not when the building was built by any means, but um, you know maybe a couple of decades ago. Yeah. Um, 
But okay. um, so there's there's not typically an electrician in town that carries units. Everybody's one so out. backed up. It it doesn't matter, Mary. Everybody is so backed up. Shortage of labor, shortage of materials, that you're not going to find anybody doing anything fast. Period. It it I wish welcome to my world, but that's kind of the reality of it. Is uh, we're short on everything, including patients. So. You know, it just is what it is. Thanks for the call, and uh, good luck. But uh, it's four-wire for the current code. Scott Mosby, KMOX. Talk to you next week.